listening to the Life Sounds Podcast, your resource for intentional living and personal growth. This podcast is designed to inspire and motivate you to be your most glowingly brilliant self. Expect to hear about the fun, the unknown, and out there aspects associated with how we can thrive in our bodies and minds. Each episode will challenge opinions, ask questions, and uncover wellness trends as I feature alongside inspiring leaders, healers, visionaries, creators, and disruptors in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Joanna O, and I am grateful for you tuning in today. Hi, Claire. Hello. (laughs) I have Claire Fountain here with me today, a writer, visionary, psychotherapist, all around, very inspiring, glowing human. Claire Mm -hmm. is the founder of Trill Yoga, a concept of true meets real, which actually translates into how physical, mental, and spiritual benefits of yoga can be accessed in any way that feels authentic to you and anywhere really, because you're known for striking poses in the most unexpected places like street corners or subway stations. Because actually, Trill Yoga, which is a term that you coined, and I'll let you talk about it, and I love it, it doesn't follow the rules. It makes them. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that has been said, yes. (laughs) When I first came across Trill Yoga, and of course you, I actually listened to you speak on a panel discussion in London a few months back. What really struck me was to what degree this idea that you can be anybody of any background you can be any body shape wear whatever you like listen to what you like don't need to be sort of in a fancy studio props anything really to practice connecting to your mind and body and it's this idea Mm -hmm. that's so deeply embedded in the entire troll yoga community the whole way of Mm -hmm. thinking Mm -hmm. (laughs) it really is it really is and it's it's really amazing to see that it's kind of it's built this amazing following that feels so authentic and it really resonated for me so I think I was thinking about this concept of aligning mind and body how Mm. did you find your way to yoga and what has it brought to you from a mental and physical standpoint yeah I mean that's oh thank you that's so nice (laughs) Oh, I mean, yoga has been a long journey for me. I started yoga when I was in high school for depression and anxiety and a pretty terrible eating disorder. And it was part of my, I developed a wellness plan. I don't know what 16 year old me thought I was doing, but I had a wellness plan (laughs) and yoga was part of it. And I don't think I knew terribly much about it past that it could be beneficial like it was long before I put together and was able to read and research and understand the true benefits of it like why yoga as a moving meditation and why moving the body is so powerful and so impactful for things like mental health you know why the body can hold so many emotions that when language fails us like the body still knows And that's like a really large concept that I don't think I put together when I was young. I just knew that it was this thing that could help me feel better. And that has been kind of the base of my work since then. I mean, moving through yoga, I started teaching back in 2009, but I never really, I was never like the teacher people looked to in a way because I listened to different music and I, the flows were different. I wasn't super creative. I really think like there's you know, ritual and there's something soothing about just having a pattern that you go to. And it's like something that I could trust. So even in my own practice, I found so much healing in having a a yoga practice that was consistent, similar things, every practice, I knew what I was getting, I could trust it, it was stabilizing. And it was a place to be able to, you know, transcend my body in a way and learn that I wasn't my body, that it was all these bigger things that were going on. But when I started teaching, it was like, ooh, you're young and you're not really into all of the, I don't want to say like woo-woo side of it, but there's like a very like stereotypical yoga teacher image, I think that we all have in our mind. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that way, nor should it be. Because what what happens is when we only believe it's for one person or one type of person or one socioeconomic status. I mean, you name it. We have all these ideas of what we think it is from marketing, advertising, or just how it's perpetuated in certain spaces. It cuts off 
whole groups of people that could come to yoga and could find such healing and could find such wonderful things and the gift of yoga in a way, but don't even think it's available to them to practice. So moving through all that, it was like I knew that there was a way to do this that still felt true to me, that felt honest to me, and was like, if I feel out of place, a lot of other people are going to feel out of place too. So this can't be, this can't be what yoga is, you know? It just didn't sit well with me that that's what it was or that I had to conform in a certain way to come to this practice that I had done for so long in a way, you know? So yeah, that's kind of how it all moved through. So for me, it started as a teenager and then I started teaching and then I mean, then the internet happened and Instagram happened and it became a bit of a, you mentioned troll yoga and it was more of like a gorilla approach to yoga. And again, it was this idea that it's like, we don't have to do with just what yoga magazines are telling us, you know, or we don't have to only be this way. It can be open for anybody to practice. And it's not just the asana, which are the poses. And I know that Instagram now People think that yoga is just these really contortion level extreme poses in really beautiful matching sets of clothes. <laughs> and it's not. Yoga is actually more of a way of living. And at its most basic, it's just breathing and being present. And that's, you know, open to anybody to come who wants to practice. I absolutely can relate to that because I myself have actually, I never thought, and I'll get into this, but I never thought I was the yoga type because Mm -hmm. I love like high intensity workouts and I love to sweat Mm -hmm. and do intense ninja stuff, you know? And I meet and talk to a lot of people now who also don't think they kind of fit into this image that you talk about. And Mm -hmm. I've only, obviously I've practiced yoga throughout my life but only really got into it about say like a year and a half ago and it wasn't you know it was almost like you had to mentally detach from this is what I think yoga is and this is what it looks Mm -hmm. like but actually feel it for yourself and Mm -hmm. I now am very much back to I do my own thing and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to look a certain way so but how do you find what is right for you by listening to your body and sort of practicing intuitive movement versus this idea of what wholesome movement looks like, which I think, again, yogic disciplines and perceptions tend to dictate? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I think it's just as much a personal journey, like a journey into yourself, as it is exploring maybe different styles of practice, different studios, different ideas around what resonates the most for you um I mean I always my classes are super laid back and it's because I really just want people to know that yes there's kind of rules around form because we don't want to hurt ourselves right like the body is it will move into shapes that we want even though we're maybe not doing them in a way that is safe for our joints our bones our muscles so I mean I think keeping yourself safe is kind of the first point but after that it just forces you to have to sit with your body and what's coming up. And so often we really get in our heads as humans. We like to get lost in our thoughts and we don't even feel our bodies anymore. And we don't even know what it feels like. So it forces us to kind of be there, to to know what something feels like, to wiggle a toe, to move a knee, you know, and then as that journey happens and you become more in tune with your body, like that intuitive nature of like, this feels good, this doesn't feel good this is aching, this isn't, like, what is going on here? You become more inquisitive, I think, about your own body, and then your intuition just builds over that. And then I think you can learn to trust that process a little more. Yeah, if you ask somebody, like, do you trust Do you trust yourself? It's, it's hard to, you know, really, like, that's a, that's a question we have to sit with sometimes. Yeah, and it, it's uncomfortable in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing about yoga is a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to do it, but I don't want I don't want to have to deal with like the stuff that comes up and it's like, Oh man, I had a friend who's a yoga teacher (laughs) and she said, yeah, you don't get that choice. (laughs) She's like, yeah. She's like, once you're in the practice, like what's supposed to come up is going to come up. And she's like, and then you have to sit with it and it's not comfortable. And I think, you know, we just really don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to have to see these things, think these things, feel these things. But it's like I was mentioning in the beginning, like the body is so connected to things that have 
happened to us, feelings we've had, thought we've, thoughts we've had, experiences we've had. And this isn't just physical stuff. It's not like, oh, I had an injury. Of course that'll happen. But I'm talking also about like mental and psychological and emotional injuries that are held in the body. And so when you start to move your body in these ways, all that stuff kind of just starts bubbling up, just coming up. And, you know, it's again, like you were saying, it's not comfortable for a lot of people. And it's like part of, I guess, the process of yoga is, is being with that uncomfortableness and like being curious. It's, yeah, just sitting with it. I love that idea of, I actually had a, a yoga teacher once and I trust me, I've tried, I think maybe a bit mm -hmm. like you, I've gone to yoga everywhere I've traveled mm -hmm. just to, just to see, just out of curiosity. And I had a teacher who was, you know, very, it was very advanced class and you're just sitting there and doing something that you've probably never done before. And your body's telling you, it will probably, your mind's telling you, you know, you don't want to do that. It's really uncomfortable. No, it hurts, whatever you're sitting there shaking in that mm -hmm. position. And he's just like, you're going to sit here and you're going to become the shaking. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's always kind of in the back of my mind, like become the shaking, become the pain, feel it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really big idea. I mean, even just past yoga, if we think about like life and experiences we have, and it's, I had a long conversation about this the other day, but like maybe the most I'm not saying enlightened, but like the place that we would all strive in some way to be is this idea, especially right now, because, I mean, I'm not sure what the date on this will actually be, but, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world that are really out of our control. And sometimes the biggest thing is like, can we just sit in the pain? Like, can we just be there? Can we just be in that moment? Um, you know, can we just be there? It's very empowering. Really yeah. But that is kind of, I guess, like the place that we would hope people can be. And that doesn't mean that you become, you know, immobilized and you can't make, you can't make change or take any action. But it just means that instead of running away from these things, and I mean, humans, we're great. We will come up with all sorts of ways <laughs> to get away from pain. Oh, well, we have things to numb us. We have things to keep us busy. <laughs> we have all of our vices and substances and behaviors that just keep us away. But when we're finally just faced with having to sit with us, um, can we be there? Can we just accept that it is, you know, I think I mentioned on the panel you were mentioning too, but this idea of radical acceptance, like just radically accepting what is. Yeah. I think right now you probably, and it is, yeah, it's relevant now more than ever. You don't have a choice. <laughs> so yeah. you have to sit with it. So I think what in this, say in the context of right now, because you were mentioning earlier, you're doing a lot of work at the moment on social media. I think we all are. We're trying to do, you know, deliver, I guess, more value digitally. What does empowerment mean to you at the moment? What does it mean and how do you convey it, I guess? to your audience oh that's super interesting because the idea of you know empowerment is like the process of like becoming stronger in controlling one's life <laughs> and being more confident about like decisions etc and when you don't have control over certain things it's like what can you do and I know that that also can trigger a lot of a lot of people's experience of these larger worldly global kind of issues comes from I think we all have trauma in a way, but sometimes there's a trauma response. And so when we have this external thing happening to us and happening in the world, our own stuff internally starts to come at that, right? So those combine, then you have a larger kind of upheaval of emotion and feeling and all that goes along with that. And some of us have had situations where we didn't feel safe. We didn't feel like we had any power. We didn't feel like we had a choice. And those are deeper those like it's like the deeper shit, not to be crude, but it's like the deeper stuff that now is triggered with so much that is out of our control. And so oftentimes, you know, first off, acknowledging that that's the feeling, acknowledging that's where it comes from. Once we name it and we're aware of it, we can kind of look at it outside of us in a way and like put it on a chair and talk to it like, okay, powerlessness, what would you like to say? What would you like to do? And how can we best hold these pieces and parts of ourselves because that's all they are is they're just pieces we're not that's not who we are entirely but it is a piece of us that is worth looking at and honoring and then healing right because you can't heal something until you feel it and deal with it and heal it it's so catchy yeah yeah but like right now 
sometimes it's about, you know, separating out. There's a really cool diagram that has been on social media, thank God. But it's like externally there's things we can't control and then there's a circle in the middle of things we can control and things we can control is, you know, self-care. How do we care for ourselves? Um, the amount of news we do or don't consume, the amount of social media we do or don't consume, um, how much time we, you know, take to talk to loved ones or connect with them or do things that just make us feel good, you know, and that can be as simple as warm beverages. Some people really like warm tea or warm coffee or something soothing. You know, how can we best take care of ourselves in these moments when so much is not, you know, at our will? But so I think now we'll see a lot of people emerge out of this powerlessness. I, I sort mm -hmm. of, I did a bit of a musing on this um, on the mm. previous episode. And mm. um, it was a bit about, you know, why are people frustrated? Why are people acting a certain way? Mm. It's because knowledge is power. And a lot of the time we go through life, we think, you know, we've got it figured out. And you're right, that is empowerment is having mm -hmm. the control. You know, I get to decide what I do today, where I go, what I have for lunch, and all these choices that you make that matter to you. And suddenly you're just faced with something that completely phases you. Like this is all taken away in a way. I think a lot of people feel like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I interesting you bring up power too because even with the term empowerment which i know is like one of the trendiest you know everybody the term empowerment's gotten thrown around so much i think on social media that it's hard for us to know what it is anymore but i think also about the idea of power and like power is more so connected at least through my belief that it's connected more to like our personal rights and our self-worth which we are all entitled to we're all entitled to be you know, respected and shown respect and able to express ourselves and be who we are, you know, and we're able to ask for what we need. You know, we're treated as humans, as whole, worthy humans. And that I think is maybe a place where we can maybe feel like, what is our power? What is our personal power in a world that is so, yeah, out of our control and where we don't feel like we have power? It's very, it's an interesting paradox. We'll see. It's it's shaping a lot of what's going to be. So it's just these highs and lows. I mean, I guess one of my other questions to you, but we've sort of talked about it, was um, navigating what we are now told is empowerment, and this feeds mm -hmm. into this whole idea of social media. And I know you talked about it before we started recording briefly, but um, you know we're now what are our channels at the moment it's mm -hmm. literally just social media and tv i mean mm -hmm. no one really reads papers anymore and even if they do those are a bit behind by the time stuff goes around the globe right mm -hmm. so how do we find empowerment from within how do we connect Whew, that's like it's a loaded question i'm sorry yeah all the, it's okay it's a big one it's like an important question i also think you know, I've had a similar kind of, I like that you said, like, like, like musings, like I've been really thinking about this critically because it's, I think that it's an interesting inflection point for a lot of people, you know, when all the things that we are used to doing that we're comfortable in are taken away from us, you know, when we don't have the things we go to, what do we do? You know, who are we? So it's a, it's a big moment of kind of redefining what matters, um, what are the bigger um, needs or feelings for people. I think that a lot of that is really showcasing itself. And, you know, it's kind of like getting sent to the, you know, in like a video game when you get like the top level and it's like, now's the real challenge. You know, it's kind of like we got thrown that <laughs> a little quicker than some of us may have wanted, you know, <laughs> like people that are like, well, yeah, I was really going to think about a career change. Like, well, now within 24 hours, you have to think about it. You know, like we're being forced to look at things and but I'm much more sped up. I don't know if that's the correct way to say, it, but like a faster pace than we were before. <sighs> so in terms of how do we like take back, like how do we work on the internal stuff? How do we work on the empowerment from within? I think it's like using these moments that we do have, like for reflection, you know, there's a lot of really good journal prompts and things now, like really listen to yourself. What feelings are coming up? What thoughts are coming up? Um, what are they connected to? What are they not connected to? You know, and then like, what can we do? What can't we do? Um, and then, yeah, using it kind of as like a journey because empowerment is also about like 
it's it's very much like the definition very much varies from person to person, I think, depending on what matters to them and maybe the life that they've lived or things that they were given freely or things that they weren't given freely. And so that idea kind of gets to be subjective in its own sense. But yeah, it's always going to be kind of a journey of self-exploration. I think it's really interesting what you said, because I've been also thinking about, you know, without wanting to touch on the stereotypical sort of mm-hmm. aspect of it, but in the law of attraction sense of thinking, mm-hmm. if yeah. I've read something really interesting where it was like, think about, try to think about in this time where you were, say two, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, what were mm-hmm. you, what were you wishing for? What were you asking for? And what were you maybe complaining about or not really happy with? Mm-hmm. I bet you most people will answer exactly what you said. You know, I wish I have more time. I wish I had more time to side hustle. I wish I had more time with, I don't know, a home for self-care. Maybe I wanted a career change, whatever. You're now literally given. Sometimes it happens like that. I guess the universe works in that way, but a slap in the face of what are you going to do now? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like, how are you going to confront this giant obstacle? And I mean, it's not, there's this, I can't remember the quote, but it's something about like, growth doesn't come without being like really uncomfortable in a way. Like it doesn't come without some discomfort. And, and that is not to minimize anybody's struggles or things that are happening on the back end of this. Cause that's real and scary and it's frightening, especially when we're thrown into a place that is really unfamiliar, that doesn't feel stable. And just like we mentioned before, like a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, but it's like, how are we going to, face that, you know, and I think it might be some perspective shifting can always help. Um, But I also think like not denying the feelings, because I know there's a wave right now on social media of like, just stay positive, just stay positive. (laughs) And as much as I would love to cling to positivity, it's not really the most realistic way to look at these things. Like, I think I'm optimistic, but I'm also a realist. Like, this shit's scary. Like, and if you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or if you look at like how people truly live or like maybe having been super broke before, like it's scary when you don't know how you're going to eat, you know, it's scary when you don't know how you're going to take care of yourself or your family. Right. And those are genuine worries. And it's really hard to get to this like self-actualized place when your most basic needs aren't being met. Right. Which is like food, shelter, you know, the ability to live and survive. Um, So I think that it's not to minimize any of that. And like, it's definitely scary, but it's also like, how can we make sure those things are being met? How can we maintain some sense of like resilience, even in the face of this really scary stuff, you know? And like, how can we have some hope? And it's hard to have hope when it looks like there's no hope, you know? And it's hard to have a vision of the future when you're worried about today or tomorrow, you know? So it's like really kind of holding that space for yourself, even, (laughs) breathing exercises are really nice. Just anything we can do to be like, in this moment, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. And I think a lot of people just need to be told that they're okay right now. Absolutely. Yeah, you're sort of, I think everyone is maybe stuck in between, I don't want to say stuck, but kind of in Mm -hmm. between the two, the two thoughts, you know, what does the future look Mm -hmm. like? I don't know. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, even, you know, for, for everyone, I think we're all brought to the literally almost to the same level from a consciousness Mm -hmm. perspective at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I would hope, I mean, you know, it's like both sides of things, right? Like we're seeing some really terrible parts of humanity, but we're also seeing some really wonderful ones where people immediately go to empathy and want to help each other and want to hold space and what can we do and you know hopefully return to kindness and compassion but I think the two extremes like kind of always have existed within the world and within the space of humans. Going back to social media and what is now available I think I'd recommend obviously to listeners to check out your profile because you do some really fun Q and A's and sort of really lay it out. You really put it out there. <laughs> I love question and answer. By yeah, the way. I think it's great. It really works. It is one of my favorite things and I can't answer all the questions because like just from an ethical standpoint, some of them are too in depth and they're too personal and 
I can't do that publicly on such a large platform that way, but I still think about them and I let the material like come to me and I'm just honored that people will share with me and will trust me with some of their stuff. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like, I consider myself, you know, even in the world of like, oh, influencers, it's like, I don't think I'm influencing. I feel like I'm a helper. I feel like I'm a professional helper and my job is to help and to use like the experiences I've had and the tools that I have and, you know, the skill set that I've tried to hone and really work in and I'm constantly, you know, trying to learn and collect knowledge because it's like, I just want to be able to help. And I want to be able to help in a way that it's like, I've been helped at times or that I wish I had been helped. And, you know, that is, we talked about social media, you know, outside of this moment and, you know, like what's the good and what's the bad and how do you navigate it? And I think at its best is social media is like truly a place where people can find community and find knowledge and find belonging and find, you know, a place. And that is such an empower, like important and powerful thing for humans is to feel like we belong and that we have people we trust and that we can be around. And, you know, even if it's just for a funny thing, you know, people we trust to make us laugh or, you know, people we trust to provide us with like, I don't know, recipes, like those kind of communities matter so much. So I think that that's like when social media is done really well. And then of course there's a whole other side of it that's like not done so well. Yeah, that's kind of my next question, but I think I love when I see, especially having, you know, the, because it is power and it's power Mm -hmm. to you for spreading a message and sort of doing that with integrity. And I think a lot of people do, which is amazing. And I love social media for that, but Mm -hmm. a lot of influencers also don't do that. So, um, yeah. And that's a, you know, it's a tough Social media has become a really tough place because it's completely on some level curated, right? Like the idea about, I know the biggest buzzword for, I think, 2017, 18 was authenticity. Just be authentic and the (laughs) growth of followers will come. And the problem with that is then when you tell somebody, okay, so this is your one-way ticket to a big following is to be authentic. Of course, authenticity then becomes contrived. Because if all you have to do is perform this thing, which is so, it's so ironic to say, I don't know, maybe ironic is not the word, but it's so strange to say that because can you perform authenticity? Isn't the nature of authenticity not performing? But anyway, so if it's like, if that's what they know is going to get them like the followers and the dollars and the things that they want, because now influencer is a job title um, and they see these lives that they think are so fabulous, but it's like the facade of a life, right? Because it's it's the same way advertising works. Like we want to curate what we want people to buy into. So if you want them to buy into a certain lifestyle or buy into authenticity, then you do things that you think present that, which is why people have, you know, let me show myself crying so people know I have emotions because emotions means I'm authentic. Let me show myself on a really unflattering angle so they know I have like body issues too, because that's authentic. Like it's when you really look at it, it's like such a, you know, prescription of like how to have success on social media. And that's, that's not going to work because it's not coming from, I'm going to use the word, it's not coming from an authentic place. (laughs) It's coming from a place of wanting you know, I've, I've asked this of my, of my own work, like, cause I've had to have kind of a back and forth with what I'm going to post, how I'm going to post it, what I'm going to do. And I always think like, does it serve the work? Does it serve the work? And for a lot of people, it serves a desire of fame. Um, it deserve it, it serves, you know, low self-esteem. It serves the need for external validation. It serves the need for, let me build this huge following. It's like the minute an influencer realizes that you can gain a huge following on TikTok they throw their whole mission out the wind and are like, no, I'm just going to do funny videos dancing. And I'm like, that doesn't serve your work. That serves a need to have a large following. Yeah. And having a large following, helping anybody? No, because that's a popularity contest. That's different. What is up with TikTok, by the way? I don't know. I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but I think maybe people have a bit more time now. So I'm seeing, like you said, a lot of people going on there it's so strange I don't know I don't know I don't know know. know. but it's again I mean in my mind it speaks to even shorter attention spans I mean you can't even really write a caption on there it's like 
Instagram is hard enough if you have an actual message because the medium for Instagram is visual, right? Like the medium is images either on an explore page, in a grid, on a feed, and even you have to click see more to read a caption. <laughs> like like yeah. the platform is very visual. Um, so it's like that. that's a hard place if you have, you know, a larger message or if part of your work is like through talking and really explaining and really asking questions and, you know, giving observations. So it's hard enough to transfer that transfer that platform into something that makes sense. But TikTok is even shorter videos, all visual. Yeah. I don't know. It's beyond me. I don't, I don't get it either, but yeah, no judgment. Just putting it out there. <laughs> I guess you touch on so many interesting points on social media and it's really to some degree disrupted the conversation around wellness as a whole. Wellness is another one of those buzzwords that I'm not a big fan of because Mm-hmm. Also, when people ask me about the podcast, it's like, is it a wellness and lifestyle podcast? I don't want to be cliche and say, well, it kind of is, but what does that even mean? You know, it's so many things. Yeah. So what do you, I guess, what's your perception of, of the biggest challenge on social media? How do you, as a user, but also, I guess you touched on if you are the one conveying the message, what to look out for, but as a user how do you filter through what's real? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a really good question. <laughs> and it's a good question because like I have my own frustrations with the platform and there are times where, you know, where you just want to open the window up and throw your phone out and just are like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like we're just done with this. I'm so done with this. And I guess my we can either harp on my frustrations or I can talk about where I see like really powerful work being done. So from my platform is like, I consider it like a business page. Like it's me, but it's not super personal. I try to keep my personal life personal Um, and I protect things I love. So people and my friends and people that are really close to me are not on there publicly, right? Like it's my platform to try to spread, you know, some inspiration about you can live a life that's you know, really true to you and you can live a life of quote unquote wellness. And I like that you brought up how that word just has lost its meaning. (laughs) And when I think about wellness, I think it's kind of like the optimal, you know, physical, social, occupational, uh, all the levels. It's the optimal state for you, for any given person. And again, that it's very much open for definition. So it's hard when we have something on say, you know, the, the internet or Instagram specifically that's like oh so this is wellness so wellness is I don't know lemon water apple cider vinegar wellness is not having dairy wellness is not having gluten-free like when we have such you know really stringent prescriptions from people it's easy to think wellness is like only this one thing you know when really it's very much open for interpretation for everyone so for myself I try to you know, channel that sort of mentality, even when I post things of like showing people that I consider myself to have like, you know, well, my well, I keep my well being in check. And I try to take care of my well being as well as the well being of others, because that's the work I do. But it's very much open for interpretation. And it's very much open for your own definition and to explore things and to not feel that you have to only play into one thing or that if you have to do it all or nothing or that there's only one way of being. So in my own work, I try to really keep it open for people, give them options, you know, do the research I can do and share my experiences or share things that I like that I'm, you know, going to really do the work and (laughs) try to research and tell you why I like them or don't like them and provide, you know, any sort of links or places where people can go because sometimes there's stuff where someone has just done it better. And I'm very okay with, you know, (laughs) uh, it's kind of like when you, when you work with people and you're like, let me just, what is the term? Oh, it is failing me right now. You delegate, you delegate different tasks to different people. And that's great because then I don't have to become an expert in it. I love that. I love having a community of other people that are really good at what they do. You know, I don't have to be a female health expert because there's brilliant, incredible women and people doing this work. And I can just reference out, link them as a resource. And that is that's such an, I think, an incredible tool with social media too, is the, the ability to share the people that like, I, you know, it's like, I know what I know because I'm around people who know what they know, you know? So sharing people that I think are smart and are doing really good work, et cetera. And then in terms of how do I manage it oh, from a user standpoint, 
being really yeah being really patient with people <laughs> and checking myself when I'm being unnecessarily judgmental because it's easy to get judgy and it's easy to get I guess it, it frustrates me because it's like if I'm trying so hard to to do something truthful and to protect people in a way and be good to people and kind to them and not, you know, feed them lies in a way. And then you see people with massive followings, millions and millions of people being so irresponsible with what they post. That gets really frustrating because I care about people. And it's like, I don't want people to buy into things that I'm like, Oh my God, it's not right. (laughs) Oh, it's not okay. But it's like, just taking a deep breath, having faith in people to be skeptical, you know, hoping we mentioned this at one point, like having hope and hoping that truth, you know, will out at some point. So that's how I have to navigate it is I have to just be like, create my own boundaries with what I do and don't want to see, um, speak truth to these things when I can, but doing it in a way that is not from just a nasty place you know, from a judgmental or frustrated place. So that's how I have to manage it. I really agree with that. But also, I mean, I don't struggle with this, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do is mm-hmm. comparison and comparison versus finding your own truth. And I think this feeds back into literally mm-hmm. everything we've just talked about, but also the yoga topic. I mean, it's, I see yoga a certain way every single day and it's not the way I do it. The whole comparison facade, we know it's people's facades, right? There's so much. And anytime, you know what I think is so interesting about these yoga pictures is I look at them and I'm like, you had to actually sit and pose and edit and like take the picture and be like, no, no, I don't like it. I should turn my head, take it again. You know, Ooh, I should do, you know, a different hand position, take it again. Like, do I look more flexible or more at peace in this photo or that photo? Like you have, like someone had to sit and do that work and then then decide to post it. Like, it's just such a, you know, when you really analyze what social media is, it's such a peculiar way of, you know, performing humanness in a way. But yeah, in terms of comparison, man, I think social media, as you mentioned this earlier about like playing into people's emotions and how that is such a powerful thing. And you know, social media is created to keep us looking at it, you know, and there's, they're like little comparison machines, right? And I think a lot about something that has resonated for me over my life is this idea that we compare our insides to other people's outsides, and we can never really measure up. And it's because we are ourselves, right? Like we're in our bodies, we're in our experiences, we have feelings and thoughts and beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about what we do, or what we can't do, or what we feel good about, or what we feel bad about. And then when we view something that's completely external, like someone else's outside or outside perception of them, we see that through our lens of perception, right? So if we believe that they're this way, because that makes us feel bad or good about ourselves, that's what we'll believe. Um, You know, so we'll see what we want to see in a way. It's like we have an emotional motivation to see things a certain way. And that seeing things a certain way can also make us feel bad. Like if we believe that we are, I don't know, we have a body issue and that it's the only thing that matters in our lives, we'll see everything that confirms that in a way. Or we'll, yeah, or we'll view images that confirm oh, it, even if they're not. You know, someone might feel this, see the same image and have a completely different belief confirmed. So, um, yeah, they're little comparison machines. And it's like we have to really check ourselves and just let it be that thing that exists outside of us that doesn't have bearing on who we are and what we do and what we believe and own our beliefs as our own. And work through that. Yeah, I I really can connect to that. And I think at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. it's actually a really yeah. cool tool if you think about it. If you look at all the positive, you know, stay positive. But if you look at all the positives, I mm-hmm. am able to find such amazing, including you, um, you know, that I want to keep chatting to that, you know, have something to say. And I think you touched on it by saying sharing other people's work I think that's so beneficial in a way it's this platform that's a creative outlet right be it for creatives or be it for I don't know modern day witches like anyone Mm -hmm. with a message is out there and it's just about navigating that so I guess to sort of round off our discussion what is next for you can you share a bit more 
Ooh, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I, I'm making you repeat yourself. I'm sorry. I already no, asked you that. No, I mean, I'm, like, I'm just sitting here thinking like, wow, we had, you know, it's like a tree with branches. Like there's so many branches that we spoke on that we could go into whole other trees and whole other branches on. I mean, it's like social media alone. Like I'm not a social media hater. I don't hate the platform. I actually quite love the platform. And the platform has given me so many things like so many incredible things in my life in terms of people that I've met, places I'm able to go, um, schools of thought I'm able to, you know, be with or be around or um, contribute to in a way. So I think social media is super, like you said, it's a really cool tool. Isn't it a cool tool? Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, in terms of what's next for me, um, I'm heavily into after, so I've done yoga for over a more than a decade done it, but taught for more than a decade as well. And because yoga for me was always more about kind of the intersection of mental and physical health, I thought, you know, if this is the real work, how can I best be of service to my audience or people that are around me? And that was to go back and get even more academic, like even more school and to go into like therapy and psychotherapy full time or in a more serious and legitimate manner. So that's what I've really been doing. So long-term goals would totally be to have, you know, a really big holistic community and space of practitioners that can all provide healing in a way that really speaks to what we need, any given person needs, because there's lots of different ways to get to healing, right? But all the surface fluffy stuff that's fun and kind of feels good on the internet, especially, that's not going to always do kind of the deep healing work that I think we all deserve to heal and living in this world, living in the countries we live in, the communities we live in. You know, everybody's been through stuff that wasn't fun and didn't feel good. And we all deserve to heal and get to a kind of a more healed place where we can live the type of lives that are, you know, free from all these worries and concerns. And, you know, the stuff that feeds comparison, the stuff that feeds the, the idea that we're not good enough or we are not worthy or we don't deserve to feel good. So I just want people to be able to, to heal and to really find that peace and that calm and to be, you know, just kind of open to life on life's terms. And that breeds, of course, like emotional resilience and a sense of peace in a way that I just want to be able to, you know, give that to people and help them on their journeys. Um, I saw something one time that was like, it was something about like our life's work isn't about taking people's pain away, but it's like holding it with them. I love that. That's really nice. I think there's definitely a space for that. I mean, in recent times, I've met so many people who are healers and in different, Mm -hmm. you know, their own ways. Like I've met um, anything from herbalists to Mm -hmm. people doing theta healing. And a lot of those people I want to bring on the podcast podcast because they, everyone's got a different angle a different perspective but the recurring theme was that they never felt like there was really one space or maybe yeah. one platform where they could offer this teaching which mm-hmm. is really interesting you know because we have a lot of courses online like a lot of phony stuff yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. That, is that what you meant by on the surface yeah there's a lot of things that you know look like empowerment or look like the the one the one trick that's gonna you know get it there's a lot of what is it like snake oil there's a lot of things that like don't really do the work in a way and but they sure look like they do and they're sure popular and they're sure expensive for some people and it's hard to not buy into that if you're a person you know sitting at home or sitting where you are who wants to feel better and we see something that's marketed really well looks really pretty and that promises that we'll feel better you can't fault someone for for trying it you know you can't fault them for buying into it you can't say oh you didn't know because they literally were just a very human thing wanting to feel better so i think that that's why you know maybe truth comes back skill sets come back uh there's really kind of more skepticalness and that people that like you said that are truly healers that have abilities and skill sets and knowledge that they can share with people are able to put that on and put that out and on a platform in a way that people can see and really connect with because I think sometimes what gets the most attention isn't what is going to work but what's the loudest or that's branded the best there's a lot of people doing really amazing things that have little to no Instagram following go figure (laughs) yeah don't look at the kind of like just because someone has a massive following really like read their work and get in get interested and one thing that's always helped me just for people who are out there who may be sitting there thinking like, well, shit, now what do I do? You know, like, what do I do now? (laughs) You've literally challenged all my beliefs. Exactly. They're like, well, might as well delete Instagram, you know, (laughs) just like, okay. Um, 
I think sometimes a really easy, helpful way is like if you have an author you look up to or someone whose work does resonate with you, look at their resources, look at who they cite, look at who they recommend. You know, like there's people I look up to, like there's a psychologist I think is brilliant and she'll recommend books every once in a while. And so I'm like, hmm, let me investigate this book, you know, and then from that book becomes it opens up a whole new world of like, what was that book connecting to or referencing or you know, just kind of digging into things or using it as a springboard from, well, if I trust this one thing, let me see where that could also lead me, you know, versus just feeling like you're just out in the wild. Yeah, I think it's it's also really, there's a lot of power in having that curiosity, that driver that's, the, you know, because you already, by having that curiosity and wanting to learn more, and we talked about knowledge, you're already one step closer to that again, enlightenment is a bit of a buzzword, but you're one step closer to opening up. Yeah. I think if I could say, what are the two biggest things for life? Like a, you know, life well-lived or something is like curiosity and compassion. And it's like those extend to others, but also to ourselves. Right. So being curious about our feelings, being curious about what felt good, what didn't feel good, being curious about why we don't feel, you know, like just leading with curiosity. And that also goes for people that we may instantly want to judge or not understand, but could we look at it from an angle of being curious? Like what drives them? What are their, you know, what is the, are the human things that we can connect with and what ways are we way more alike than we are different? You know, so I think curiosity and then compassion, because depending on what answers you come up with, they may not be so comfortable even about yourself. And so it's like extending yourself, yourself, compassion, extending kindness to yourself, extending the idea that like, we don't know everything and we don't do better until we know better. And so, you know, being kind with ourselves and being kind with the journey and also being kind to other people, being kind to them for their experiences, for the life that they've lived, that, you know, a lot of things that we don't like about ourselves or other people to some extent have served a purpose for ourselves and others in a way like anxiety, worry. It probably served a really good purpose at some point in our lives to protect us from something hypervigilance served a role. You know, you think about people get really upset about addictions or substances or behaviors or why would they do that or how could they? And it's like, it served a role. So instead of vilifying it and damning it, we have to think about what role was it serving? You know, what comfort was it giving? What pain was it taking away for this person? So curiosity and compassion. What a, what a mantra to live by. A lot of time to explore at the moment, I think. And yeah, sit with that one, guys. And I think you find that also trial and error a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're, like I said, a seeker and there's just so much out there and maybe you think you connect to something, but maybe do you connect to it because you're told that it is a certain way or does it actually mm -hmm. resonate with you? Like there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, because I'm naturally a seeker trying to trying to mm -hmm. do this podcast and trying to bring a lot of different ideas. Not everyone's going to connect to the same thing and not everything mm -hmm. is going to be as beneficial to you as for the next person. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a process and it's a journey. And it's okay to look back and be like, wow, I tried that thing and it really didn't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. It is okay. So what's next for Trill Yoga as well? I'm actually teaching a class this weekend and I'm trying to do more uh, like live stream classes. And, you know, there's such kind of a cool freedom in that that I was thinking about. Because, you know, my whole thing with Trill Yoga is that it needs to be open and people can be who they want to be. And like now that we're in our homes, you can literally do whatever you want. Like, if you don't want to wear you don't have to, you don't even have to fall into kind of like social norms that are, you know, within the, the community or society. So I think it's really interesting. So I'm going to teach some classes online. There's always, there's classes and some videos that are available on um, one of my websites. That's another thing is I'm going to finally redo these websites. I mean, I think for so long I was too caught up in doing the work to actually care about the presentation of it. So I need to update my website. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, oh, this will do for now. I need, like, there's bigger things to do. There's more people to help. Um, so, you know, I'm going to finally hopefully sit with that and be able to put together some resources. And, you know, I'd love to be able to 
you know, just help people find what they need and help people find the things that are going to make the most sense for them in terms of yoga. And again, it's like, I wish I had a more prescriptive kind of definition of it, but it's like really be open, be curious, find what works for you. Don't hate it if you go once and it didn't fit. Just let it be a learning experience. Take it in. It's all information, right? With a bunch of people and you could, the guy showed up and he was super positive, like super enthusiastic. And you could tell Mm -hmm. in people's face expressions that nobody knew what they signed up for. (laughs) It was like a bunch of strangers having to do something really intimate together. (laughs) Yeah, that's really, I mean, that can go two ways, right? Because I know that there's like the one side of like, if you look at like trauma-informed yoga or trauma-informed practices, there's no touching because you just, you know, you don't want to ever violate people's boundaries and who knows what someone's boundary is because you just don't know or what's going to trigger it for somebody. However, I do think also as humans, like, we've lost kind of the ability to just touch, you know, like to just hold a hand or, you know, why is touching someone's arm so bad or so scary? And I also worry about everything that's going on right now that we get even further removed from that. And, you know, so much of what humans need is touch and is healing. And I don't mean that in any sort of creepy, perverse way. I mean that in just a genuine, like, how good does a hug feel, you know, and how hungry are so many of us just to be hugged. So I, I worry that with all this social isolation or physical distancing, if you will, I worry that we get even more scared of other people and we get scared of touching people. That's not something, you know, I want the world to become. I don't want us to become a society of people that are scared of one another, like physically scared of people's skin or hands or, you know, our legs touching if we sit next to each other. Like, I don't want that to become the world we live in, you know, so it's a really interesting time. So, yeah, I think, wow, that's, you know, super interesting because it can it can bring up so much for you, you know? Like, how did it feel? Was it comfortable? Was it not comfortable? Was it scary? Was it not scary? Was it something that you're like, huh, maybe I should like, you know, trust someone to hold me in the sky more often, (laughs) you know? No, it's interesting, but I really, I agree with you. I really hope that in the future, it isn't like that because we're already such a, I mean, our generation particularly so starved for human contact, let alone touching so I really hope that, that mm-hmm. it has an adverse effect almost like we become closer, but maybe I'm just too much of a, an eternal optimist. I hope we would become closer, you know, but again, same thing, eternal optimist, like just thinking like, oh, what do humans need or what do I even see clinically is what people are starved for and people are starved for belonging and connection and relationships that are safe and places that they can feel safe to be themselves, you know, so... Thank you for listening today and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be so kind as to leave a review and share your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. I take this opportunity to invite you to join me for more tonic content on Instagram at Lifetonic Podcast and the Lifetonic community on Facebook, a community of like-minded people who want to elevate their thinking, design their dream life, grow and transform together. You will gain access to freebies, downloadable resources, and have the opportunity to take some of the topics we discuss on the podcast a little bit further. Let's elevate our thinking and inspire collectively. Till next time.